from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. Welcome. This is the Badass Counseling Show, and I am the host, Sven Erlinson. We are taping a lightning round episode today uh, where I take listener questions fast and furious. I am joined in studio today by KC. That's a K and that's a C over in the booth. And I'm joined by Rob the Rocket sitting next to me. Rob, speak. Hey, I'm uh, always glad to be here, my friend. I had an interesting experience. I had uh, met someone in a business context and I mentioned the podcast. So I got an email the other day and uh, this person had listened to the podcast and started in her entire life story on two different topics from a lightning round. (laughs) First about a divorce, then about a child that she had and made a mistake with and poured all this stuff out. And, you know, you have this impact on people almost immediately. And I thought, this is great, but a little odd. And then a little bit later, I get another email. I'm so sorry, I, I, I overshared, and <laughs> it won't happen again. And I said, you know what? With the podcast, it happens all the time. Well, the funny thing about that is, is you're like, Wait, I, I'm the technical guy. <laughs> Don't tell that shit to Sven. Excuse Except me. You're I'm, really good at shit. I'm a producer. I'll have you know. The, the key producer, not a producer. So, oh, that's great. That's funny. I, I, you know, it's and it's good that people trust you, Rob, and open uh, up to you. But they open up because they hear what you have to say, and it helps them. So, God bless. Well, and they hear what you have to say as well. I mean, uh, that's true. But you know, it's testament to the fact that anybody can be a listener for anybody else. Anybody. Can you know we're all just looking for somebody to trust and talk to and sort of get our shit off our chest? All right, so we're diving right in today in a lightning round. How can I get my husband to stop yelling at our son all the time and treating him like a servant? Ultimately, you are seeing a behavior here that you don't like and that you know is wrong. It is not okay for your husband to yell at your son all the time. That's not okay. And especially, it's not okay to treat him like a servant because the messages that that child is getting is, I'm not important. All right, that's a very powerful message. Convey that enough, and that will imprint in the wet cement in the child's soul, and that will harden. I'm not important that if I want somebody to be nice to me or just not criticize me, I have to do every single thing that they want. That's the message your son is learning. How do you get your husband to stop? To be very, very, very honest with you right now, the way you get your husband to stop is you insist and you don't back down. Because when, if you insist but back down, you're not using the full breadth of your power but, and depth of your power, and you're fundamentally conveying to the child, uh, my safety is more important than yours. And this may mean, and you may be saying, well, I do that, I do that. But the bottom line is, is the behavior persists. And so what is it you're afraid to do, don't want to do, that would actually stop it? Would he stop? And forgive me for raising this, and this may not be the eventuality Uh, you want here, but if it persists, are you willing to walk away to protect your kid, to walk away from your marriage to protect your kid? Because, and I'm not saying you have to, but you have to be willing to. Why? Because you may have to, because in the end, your kid's safety, safety, and that includes emotional safety, is more important than the marriage staying together. And would the would the breakup of the marriage hurt and everything like that? But yeah, if you can't 
it, that if you're going to back down short of that, then that means your husband has all the power and he's clearly going to use it in ways that are not okay. Again, you may not need to uh, play that card, but you just might need to. And if you are willing to, that's you standing up and being the adult, standing up for the person who doesn't have power. The person in this whole equation that has the least power is the child. Now, I don't care how old the child is, eight or 14. They have the least power and you have the power to get that child out there to protect and to convey the message, you are important, you matter, this is not okay how you are being treated. And it's scary to think of doing that, but that's what it requires. All right, next question. I've got a question over here on cheating. Your video on the effects of cheating really helped. I journaled for hours after it. I begged for him to help me through it. But in the end, he walked away without any responsibility for my pain. I'm starting to realize I will be better, but it really hurts. Yes, okay. This isn't so much about just about cheating. It's not about just about all the pain that cheating can cause. It's the fact that even when a relationship is done, the pain can persist. In fact, that's quite normal. Tell me a relationship that you get out of where is it? there isn't pain or sadness or longing or lust or hatred or whatever that persists after the end date of the relationship, just because the gavel hits and it says, okay, you're officially divorced. Or just because she says, you know what, let's break up. You know, we're college kids. I'm breaking up. We're broken up as of today. Just because the relationship ended today doesn't mean the feelings end. And the, what you have to do and uh, is you have to go into those feelings. You have to hold on to, you have to hold on to the feelings. See, very often what we try to do after relationships or after you got fired from your job or you got yelled at by the boss today or any time of it, any, we have any type of emotion is we tend to very often stuff it down, ignore it, make ourselves busy, get distracted, put ourselves around other people, go to the bar, whatever it might be, we do something to distract ourselves from the pain, to shove that pain down, to avoid it. When in fact, what you have to do is just the opposite. If you want the pain to actually go away rather than stuff it down, you have to bring it up. You have to allow yourself to feel it. You got to journal about it. Write the person letters that you don't send. You have to begin welcoming the feelings rather than resisting the feelings and shoving them down. And why? Because the more you get it out of you, the less it's in you. And so many people are like, fuck that. I'll just bottle it up. I'll stuff it down. And they keep stuffing feelings down and more and more and more. And what you discover over time, this is what people discover. This is the person, the difference between the person who's in their 30s or 40s, you know, versus the person who's in their teens or 20s is you discover over time that that bottle that you're you know, bottling it all up in or that vault you're sticking it in starts to leak, that you've got so much in there that it starts spurting out. This is what we talk about when we'd say, oh, he's got anger issues. Yeah, he's got a vault that's full of fucking pain. And until you empty that vault, you're gonna keep squirting it out. It's gonna blurt out on your kids or on your girlfriend or on your employees or whatever it might be. Or if you you have so much pain in your past and you know, you're always crying, always crying, always crying. <clears throat> I'm constantly crying and I'm constantly letting out. No, you're not. I mean, yeah, you are the surface stuff, but you're not actually going into the vault to the origins of the pain and going into those origins with words and talking it out and thinking about it and allowing all the deeper pains up. You're just sort of squirting through the day and it's nipping at your heels, but you keep running from that tidal wave of pain that's been chasing you, right? It's very different from actually turning into that tidal wave and opening that vault and beginning to allow them out deliberately. Once you do that, then it's out of you. Uh, and then you can move on. Uh, then we go on to a question by Michelle over here on TikTok. How to forgive your brother who sexually assaulted me and so I can forgive myself? 
Okay, so it's two separate questions, and she's referring to her brother, not my brother. I don't know Michelle, and I'm pretty sure none of my brothers sexually assaulted her. So let's just tweak the language a little bit there. She's basically saying, Sven, how do I forgive my brother who sexually assaulted me? Question. And then the second question is, so I can forgive myself? And she puts question marks after that as well. Okay, so what you're linking then, Michelle, in your question is that I'll only be able to forgive myself if I can forgive my brother. Okay, and forgive me for asking the obvious question, but if someone sexually assaulted you, why do you need to forgive yourself? Okay, because forgiving yourself implies that you did something bad. Well, we know what happens. Very often when somebody has something bad happen to them, they blame themselves. But the bottom line is this. Um, what do we call it in life when, there, let's say, there's a really, really powerful entity, a powerful country, let's just say a country, and then there's this small country, and then the big country comes over and kicks that, kicks their ass of the small country, right? We call that, you know, bully or a tyrant or something like that. On the playground, you know, there's the big mean bully, ha ha, that kid, and then there's, you know, the little young, smaller guy or whatever. Big bully goes over and punches them or pushes them every time he walks by in the hall, right? We call that person a bully. What do we call the other person though? That's the question. Well, we, anytime there's an entity that has greater power and uses that power against the lesser power, we call that lesser power, that whether it's a country or somebody on a playground or someone in anything, we call that person by definition a victim. Now, you say that word in America, especially when people are like, oh, fuck victims. Victims are pussies and don't be a victim mentality. A victim, no one wants to be a victim or everybody's trying to be a victim, right? But you were a victim, Michelle. You flat out said your brother sexually assaulted you. And you want to forgive him? Now, if you want to forgive him, that's your business. That's totally up to you. But the grand mistake, and hear this, Hear me on this, people. Just saying I forgive you does not heal you, does not heal me. My saying, well, you know what? I really forgive them and I forgive them. That doesn't make your pain go away. You're just stuffing that pain down. You're just saying, ah, the pain doesn't exist or it's, it's, it'll go away if I just say these magic words. And it's bullshit. I'm all in favor of forgiveness, but that is not what heals you. Forgiving the other person will heal them. Forgiving the other person will potentially heal the breach in the relationship. But just saying, I forgive you, doesn't heal you. And I loathe, loathe. And I'm a former Christian pastor. What's the whole religion about? Forgive, forgive, forgive. No, no. Let's just wait. You can still forgive. Let's just wait. All I'm asking for is a delay in the forgiveness to allow time for the most important piece. And that is you actually getting the pain out of you. Because until you get that pain out of you, it doesn't matter what magic words you say. It's gonna, that shit is gonna eat at you. I had a client yesterday who said, you know, Sven, I, I've just never been able to forgive. I, I keep trying to forgive, but the pain keeps coming back. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, no shit, because that's what pain does. Until you get it out of you, it's still in you. And there's no set of magic words that makes it go away. So, to your question, Michelle, how do I forgive my brother for sexually assaulting me? If the goal is at some point to forgive, what you have to do is you have to get out all of your rage. And I'm sorry, 
someone sexually assaults you, there's rage inside of you. You get all, all of your sadness, all of your sense of betrayal, all of your sense of disappointment, all of your sense of hate, all of it. And not just at your brother, but perhaps there were people who didn't protect you that allowed that situation or even enabled that situation to happen. All the feelings towards that, that person. You have to bring up all those feelings that you've not wanted to feel, I'm willing to bet, because those are extraordinarily powerful feelings. And you can't imagine yourself hating your brother or having rage towards your brother, but I guarantee it's in there. Why? Because it's a natural response. You don't ever have to say word one to your brother about it, but you have to allow it up in your journaling, in your time with your therapist and counseling. You have to bring all those feelings up and keep welcoming them and, and flushing them out. Keep welcoming them and flushing them out until they are gone. That is what it means to decharge, remove the emotional charge from a memory. Okay, but the really problematic part of your question, Michelle, is that you believe, you said, how, how do I forgive my brother who sexually assaulted me so that I can forgive myself? And no, 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 no. First of all, you didn't do anything wrong. You were a victim, all right? You didn't do anything wrong. You were sexually assaulted. There's no excuse. There's literally no excuse. There's nothing you did to trigger that, okay? That being said, you do, and furthermore, the other flaw in your question is that the only way I'll ever be able to forgive myself is by forgiving him first. No, first of all, you didn't do anything wrong. So there's nothing that you need to forgive yourself for, okay? But if you feel sort of assaulted by your own self, I'm mad at myself for X, Y, and Z, you healing from that, and, and, and I can tell you, you were a victim, you know, it didn't happen and it's gonna be okay, but you might still have those feelings. I just feel bad. I feel like I screwed up, whatever. Bring those feelings up to your therapist, in your journaling, in your letter writing. Write a letter to your past self and write a letter that simultaneously tells her, are you, are you gonna say that to your past self, whether you were eight or 18? Are you gonna say, I'm so disappointed in you? I'm mad at you for not doing X, Y, or Z so that this wouldn't have happened. Are you gonna say that? If you feel it, flush it out. But maybe also write a letter to that past self saying, I'm sorry that you were in that spot and that wasn't fair and it was wrong what was done to you. And I'm here now to help get the feelings out with you. That's you writing to your old self, being the protector that you wish you would have had and allowing her to get her real feelings out, okay? But the bottom line is you're forgiving yourself or you're having healing over it has nothing to do with whether or not you forgive your brother. What it has to do is all of your feelings have to come out of you, all of it. All of it, the hate, the sadness, the betrayal, the anger, the disappointment, the melancholy, the depression, the fear, the fear, all of that has to come out. That's how you heal. Then, and only then, if and only if you do the work first, then you are truly ready to forgive because you are forgiving from a clean heart, not a heavy one burdened down by massive feelings. Then, if you want to forgive, now you're making a choice of free will, a place from clarity, not from a place of, oh, I should. And as if his, your interaction with him or forgiving him is your key to healing. Your key to healing is getting all that fucking pain out. All right. Hey, Sven, on a very different, smaller scale, as you may recall, last year I was the victim of a financial scam. Mm. Very upset about it. I called you. And the best thing you said to me, the most helpful thing was oftentimes victims of crime blame themselves. Yep. 
really, really helped. So thanks for that. Yeah, you bet. And uh, yeah, and and the truth is, it's realizing shit. I really was a victim. But we, you're right. We beat ourselves up. God, why didn't I this? I should have seen that, and so forth. And these things can happen to anyone. Absolutely. I will testify to that. So be careful out there. Well, and wasn't that part of your struggle? Is I mean, Rob, you're an extraordinarily intelligent man, extraordinarily well-educated, who had an extraordinary career of success. How the fuck did this happen to me? Why did I not see that? You really beat yourself up over I it. I did. And it, these people are so good at manipulating others. They, it's essentially, you get hypnotized. And mm. you, you look back, you say, how could I have possibly gone along with that and done that? Mm. You just can't figure it out. And it's just that manipulation can be very strong. And so it is forgiveness of self then. Has to be. Right. And that I was a victim and it's like, it shit happens for lack of a better cliche. Right. Exactly. All right. Uh, let me know if you got a question over there. I do that. You may like this one. I'm not sure. Um, hi Sven. Can you please explain in as much detail as possible your stone garden? Are there actual stones that you talk to or are you figuratively speaking? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, just so people know what the stone garden is. Um, I talk about in my book, there's a hole in my love cup. Uh, which it, this is a healing book. All right. It's like a self-help book on crack, on steroids. It just takes you so deep and it's very intense, but it's healing. But it's also really easy to read, you know, stories and so forth. One of the things I talk about is that every time a person is wounded in life or every time a person, especially a child, gets a message. We did a taping of the show earlier today and the man on the show, a a military veteran, uh, Marines, um, I was asking about the messages he got and one of them, that he got from his stepdad was, you'll always be alone, okay? But the stepdad himself wasn't alone. He was with the boy's mom. Well, this kid is getting these messages at four, five, eight, ten 10 years old. Well, wait a minute, you're not always alone, but you're saying I'll always be alone. That means there must be something wrong with me. Okay, insert into that giant burlap sack on that boy's back, a rock, that message of there must be something wrong with you that he got. Maybe not a, wouldn't, was not the stepfather's intent. Maybe it was. Maybe he was just being careless with his words. But bottom line, it gets received by the child and very often not in the ways it was atten- intended. So the child starts to believe, uh, is there something wrong with me? Now he's got a rock in his back. Every time the child, and remember, a child's filtering most of life through I'm good or I'm bad. I, I'm important, I'm not important. I matter, I don't matter. Okay, every time he's getting those messages, he'll put those rocks in his back. Or the rocks just get put in that bag on his back, excuse me, and more and more. And eventually, it doesn't take long. Sometimes it's as early as 12 years old. Sometimes it's 22 years old. Sometimes it's 42 years old. You realize life is heavy, very, very heavy. And you start feeling depressed or anxiety-ridden or you start boozing or hitting the pot heavy or using escape mechanisms, gambling, excessive uh, swiping and scrolling, excessive gaming, excessive shopping, over-parenting, overworking, booze, you know, all these things, food. All of these things are escapes from the burden of what has become a 500-pound bag of rocks on your back. All of the emotional pain which is why you constantly hear me harp on that when it comes to providing and protecting for your, for your, of your kids, providing and protecting for your kids, it's not just protecting them from the wolves and the things outside the door and bad boys and stuff. It's protecting the feelings, create a safe emotional environment for that child to not be wounded, to have as few rocks in that bag as possible. 
and to give them avenue to re- get those rocks out of there, to express when they're feeling unheard or unwanted or unloved or what have you. Okay, so those rocks then are the emotional baggage from our past. And you may think you're strong when you're young, but all of my clients, m- many of my clients, uh, counseling clients in my profession are um, very successful people who have immense amount of willpower, and yet they have a 500-pound bag of rocks on their back, and that 500-pound bag of rocks will eventually grind you down. As you hear me say all the time, the soul is more powerful than the will. So the problem is getting all those rocks, all those messages, all the pain, all the fears out of that fucking bag so that you have your energy back, so that you can stand up, so that you're finally alive again. So the question, Rob, then that you posed was... Please explain as much in as much detail as possible about your stone garden. Are they actual stones or just figurative? They are figurative stones. So my job is to pull the stones out of people's bags. My job is to reach down people's throat and begin to pull out all the crap, not the least of which is all of the messages that got rammed down their throats, like you'll always be alone. In other words, you're not very good. You know, something's wrong with you. You're not good enough. To pull all those messages out, basically, I'm I'm like fucking you know, Geek Squad at at Best Buy, right? I go into your computer and I remove the viruses. That's what I do in people's lives. That's what I do with the book. There's a hole in my love cup, but that's you don't need a therapist. You don't even need my fucking book. All you need is a willingness to go into that and a pad of paper and a pen, and just start fucking journaling all of it. Now, I did this, okay? You've heard me say it before. I was in a 12-year suicidal depression. I couldn't find books. I, I, I found bits and pieces and so forth, but I couldn't find one book that walked me through it. I couldn't find a therapist to get me out of it, to pull me up out of the pit, right? I had to figure it out on my own. I had to reinvent the wheel. But now, you know, I've created tools. There are tools. All these 800-plus free videos and nearly 200 free podcasts we've done, these are all tools, you should be using these in your journaling to flush out all of those rocks out of that bag on your back. What I do for a living is I take people's rocks and I take them and I throw them out in my backyard. And I've got a wonderful, metaphorical, rock garden. I'm a wonderful rock gardener. But the thing is, is we hold on to those past pains because we see it as part of our identity, right? We don't want to let go of the rocks, but you got to let go of the rocks. And the more you let go of the rocks, the first, if you've got a 500 pound bag of rocks, you get rid of a big 75 pounder out of that bag, have some grand realization, you might feel it a little bit, but probably not much because you still have 425 pounds of rocks in that bag on your back. But boy, you get to the real whoppers like the mom stuff, like the dad stuff, like the family stuff. Now you're taking out 100 pounders and all of a sudden you start to feel lighter. But here's the problem. You know what you're gonna feel first? You want to know what one of the biggest indicators is that you're doing therapy right? Is you start to feel really heavy and or really uncomfortable. That's a good sign. Light doesn't come first. What comes before you start feeling lighter is you start feeling heavier because you're finally turning to into, into that tidal wave that you've been running from of all the pain, fears, and bullshit beliefs you've been taught about your entire life. And you're going to feel it. And you're going to see it. And it's going to feel heavy. But the more you flush it out, the lightness, you're going to be, begin to feel lighter and have greater clarity. All right. Next person. Ray Mack follows up. How do you do that with grief? Uh, grief is just like any other feeling. Sadness, right? You just... How do you grieve? You write about everything you fucking miss about the person. You write about everything you're angry about. Let's say it's a parent who never told you they loved you or was always critical or whatever. Write a letter to that person and tell them how fucking angry you are. Maybe even hate them for it. Maybe you're full of rage for it. And, and remember, feelings are just like a train coming into, into the, the station. 
The train pulls into the station, lets people off, new people get on, and the train leaves the station. That's what trains do. Well, feelings are the same way. If you just had, if your team just had a big basketball game last night and they won and you were euphoric after the game or at least happy, you felt good, right? And you went home, you felt good. Maybe it took an hour or two to come down from the win, whatever. Next morning, you wake up, you feel good. Not as euphoric as you did the night before, but you feel good. By the afternoon or by the evening, you know, you've sort of forgotten about it a bit. And by Monday morning, when it's time to go to practice or Monday afternoon, you've completely forgotten about the win. And if your coach is worth his shit, the coach is saying, put the win behind you. We got work to do, right? Okay. The feeling of euphoria of winning, it came and it left the station. That's what feelings do. Any feeling is natural. It is natural to feel anger at someone if they trip you deliberately. I know that's a silly example, but it's natural. Now, that doesn't mean I need to act on that and go over there and trip them or kick them in the behind or something like that. But my feeling anger at them is perfectly normal. So if I'm living a healthy emotional life, I let myself feel those feelings and maybe I, I talk it out with my therapist or with my girlfriend or journal about it or whatever, but then it, it like the feelings of euphoria after the basketball game, they fade. So doing this with grief, it means you welcome all your feelings of sadness, of anger, of sorrow, of missing the person, longing for the person. You just keep flushing it out. Hey, Sven, let's take a minute here and a break to talk about your books and where to get them and where to get the audiobook. People are always asking. Oh, sure. Yeah. All of my books are available at uh, badasscounseling.com. The books, the one that just came out is Badass Wisdom. And that is a 366-day uh, meditational slash inspirational slash uh, sort of punch you in the face. A lot of... Um, uh, questions and stories and anecdotes intended to take you deeper. And every single one of these is filled with journaling prompts. This is a journaling book if you want to use it as that. That was the design. Or if you don't want to do the journaling, it's intended to make you think on something for that day and really go deep on some of your own stuff. And it's 366 days. Um, yes, one day for leap year. And the audiobook version of this, Rob was masterminded. <laughs> Not exactly, but okay. Yes, Rob masterminded. We were in studio, recorded it here in studio, and he also provided the uh, musical score uh, based on an old Scandinavian folk tune. So there's music and to start and end every one of the days on the audiobook. The audiobook is available at badasscounseling.com slash books. The other book is the healing book. There's a hole in my love cup. And this is the one, if you're starting out with one of my books, I recommend this one or both because this is the one that steps you through the process of healing, of emptying those rocks out of that giant burlap sack on your back and getting them all out of there. So uh, badass wisdom and there's a hole in my love cup. And, and yes, there is a audiobook version of there's a hole in my love cup on the website, badass counseling. One more thought. And that is very excited about in the next about 30 days or so. Senor, what? Yes, exactly. We are going to have the Espanol version of There's a Hole in My Love Cup. Translation is done. It is at the, uh, the narrators are working on it. I am not reading that because I am not fluent in Spanish. And let's all say a big thank you for that one. Uh, so that'll be out soon. So whomever you know, or if you yourself prefer a Spanish version of the book, that will be available on the website and only on the website, as with all of our audiobooks, badasscounseling.com. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. We're back. Back with more questions. What if you can't remember many events of childhood, but lots of trauma? And uh, by the way, Sven, I just ordered the love cup. Thank you. 
Um, there are really two things going on there. What if you can't remember many events of childhood, but lots of trauma? Okay, well, that's a person who actually has something to pull on because you've at least got lots of trauma from your childhood. Start there. In fact, in one of the opening chapters, I think chapter one, I say, what's the biggest trauma that you remember from your past? Start there. People say, well, I don't remember anything from my past. I get that one a lot. I say, oh, I guarantee you remember something from your past. Maybe not your childhood, but I guarantee you remember something from yesterday or last week where your coworker was sharp with you and it kind of hurt your feelings. Start with that. That's a, that is a memory that has an emotional charge. You felt stupid or you felt hurt and maybe even a little angry. You've got three feelings right there. Start there. And the more you flush out a tiny memory that has an emotional charge attached to it, anger, sadness, whatever, then you'll find another one. Then go to that one. Then, in other words, start small and go big. Or if you got a big one, you remember, shit, I remember, uh, let's just say, five years ago, and, you know, the guy did this, and then that happened, and I was just, I've been mad about it ever since. Or my girlfriend left me, you know, nine months ago, and I'm just brokenhearted. I've been crying every day since. Okay, there, start there. Start your healing right there. And flush out all that stuff out. And how it makes me feel, and what I think about myself. Oh, Wow makes me feel like I'm always going to be alone. Well, I'm pretty sure that that one breakup is not the source of that message, I'm always going to be alone. Because if you insert the word always, that means you've had other pains in the past that have made you feel alone and you really hate being alone because all your feelings about that, gee, I'm alone, I'm no good, whatever, come rising up. So somewhere in your past, you got the message that you're unworthy or you're unwantable. And now it's repeating in this message, I'm always going to be alone, whatever the message is. So you start with the trauma or the pain you do remember. And again, if you have no memories from childhood, start with what you remember from yesterday or last week or last month. All right. Uh, next question. I got a Sven's choice here, if you'd like. All right. Dealer's choice. Friend conflict or relationship conflict? Which would you like? Let's do friend. We do a lot of relationship. Let's do a friend conflict question. I like that. Good one. All right. Here it is. Friend is ending relationship for a conflict I thought we worked out months ago. They had to, quote, grow through conflict, and I didn't, end quote. While I beg to differ, I'm angry they held a grudge and didn't communicate. Am I wrong? Oh, that's, that's a great one. Thank you for that question. Who, uh, who sent that? Little uh, Shinigami. Little Shinigami. Yes. Cool name. I like that. Uh, thank you for the question, Little Shinigami. This happens a lot. And uh, working with someone just in the last couple of weeks, and this particular person said, you know, I've really changed, Sven. And one of the things that we talked about is all of her personal change, but she's begun to realize that some of the friendships that she has had with Susie and Polly, I'm just making up names, uh, with Susie and Paula, Polly, and we'll just say Parna, uh, Susie, Polly, and Parna. And, uh, and I'm realizing, wow, I was doing all the giving. And wow, they don't really listen and it's, it's always about them. And so this woman that I was talking with this week, she said, so Sven, since I last talked to you three weeks ago, you know, during the holidays and so forth, I went to each of my friends and I, and I said, I want you to care more about me and ask about me or call when I'm having a hard time. And uh, in one of the cases, the, <laughs> the woman didn't even respond. She just, I, I think it was done through emails and the woman didn't even respond. And, and my client said, basically, you know what? She gave me a gift. She gave me a gift. She made it so clear what I already knew. Then the second one, we'll just call her Parna. 
uh, with Parna, she says, oh yeah, it's, it, I do, I want to be the, that kind, kind of friend, and I'm so glad you said that, and so on and so forth, and uh, like about a week later, Sven, I had a really, really bad migraine, like locked myself in the dark bedroom for two days, it was so bad, and I just at one point texted Parna that I was, uh, you know, uh, incommunicado because, you know, I had this really bad migraine. Two days go by, I didn't hear one word saying, I hope you're doing okay, da 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 da, da. and it's like, Sven, it just crystallized it for me, but I was always there for her. And then third one, I think they did talk about some of that stuff and it is getting a little better. But this question was, I stood up and said sort of what my needs are and you said, we're all good. Or I expressed a discontent or a conflict that we'd had and, and you said, we're all good. And then, then you come around a couple weeks later and you say, um, I think I'm out of here. Right. Okay. Right. And the truth is some people aren't ready for that. Some people aren't ready to have real relationships, to be accountable or to hear where they've screwed up or something like that, or just don't like those uncomfortable conversations, or they don't want to work on themselves, or they just want you to keep eating shit or accept the fault or whatever. And unfortunately, we lose people sometimes. We lose people who don't want to be as accountable to us as we are to them, or we lose people who don't like the conflict of talking out problems, talking out disagreements. And you know you've got a, 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 the, the, some of the workings, the fixings, as they say in the South, you know you've got fixings of a good relationship when the person can talk it out, when they can talk out, when they can hear you, when you express your uh, discontent or your needs, but also where they feel comfortable expressing their needs and discontent, because that says they trust you, but they're also willing to hear what they might have done wrong. You know you've got the fixings for a quality relationship when someone's willing to go to those uncomfortable places and you lost someone and it's hard to lose someone. But the truth is, in a way, this person did you a favor because in the long run, that means that you would have probably just kept giving and keeping your shit down rather than having a real relationship, real relationship where we talk about that stuff. Piggybacking on that then, I feel they don't wanna talk it out because they don't wanna change. Well, yeah, that's a big part of it. That is potentially a big part of it. And what's also potentially a big part of it is not just they don't want to change, but they don't want to admit fault. They don't want to, as you've heard me say, own their shit. They don't want to admit that something might be wrong with them or that they might be doing something wrong. Some people just don't have that capacity or more importantly, they don't want to. It's not that they can't, they don't want to. Because as long as we don't talk about this shit, you won't talk about it. Like you just said, Mama Christie. I feel they don't want to talk about it because they don't want to change. So basically you're saying, I don't talk about it because they don't want to talk about it. So they are, a lot of times people are happy to keep you silent and we not talk about this shit so that I can be pretty as you please sitting, you know, sitting in the catbird seat and you got to just eat the shit. Well, I don't want to fucking be in a relationship with somebody like that. Somebody doesn't own their shit. How unfulfilling is that? How long before it's like, okay, this relationship sucks. Fuck off. Next question is... I still have the relationship question. Oh, I hit it. All right. My boyfriend of three years carried over the pain of his 30-year failed marriage into our relationship, and now he says he's afraid to get married again because he's worried I will turn into his ex-wife. What do I do? (laughs) Yeah, okay. Uh, Just what's basically happening is a person is taking their pain from their past and how it made them feel and how it caused them to now feel distrustful towards anyone. They're taking their pain from their past because they didn't deal with their shit, 
because they didn't flush out all of their anger, their sadness, their pain, their betrayal, their disappointment, their rage. They didn't flush it out, so it's still in them. They're walking it right into the next relationship. You wanna know why I'm constantly telling you guys to heal your shit? for this exact reason right here. Read it one more time, Rob, if you would. Yeah, I, I like this one. It's, it's, it's instructive. My boyfriend of three years carried over the pain of his 30-year failed marriage into our relationship, and now he says he's afraid to get married again because he's worried I will turn into his ex-wife. Right, so that means you now, what's this person's name or handle? Uh, this is Sherry. This Sherry. This means you, Sherry, now are being treated as if you have it in you to do this to him, even though you've likely been very faithful and kind and so forth, that when we've been so wounded in our past, so poisoned by our pain, we can't even distinguish enemies from friends, friend from foe, and everyone becomes a potential, either an enemy or a potential enemy. And, and the bottom line is, this is why you guys, you got to stop between relationships. And men especially, I'm talking to you. I mean, women too. I'm not, I'm not saying women are off the hook. But a whole lot of men, it's like, oh, I'm not going to touch my feelings. Fuck that. I'm just going to jump into the next one. Yes, I had a 15-year relationship. But damn, six months later, I was in the next one. It was so great. Yeah. Yeah, you jumped into that fucker because you didn't like the pain of feeling sad, disappointed, angry about your past one that would always swell up when you got home from work and all your all that's in your fridge is a beer and a half-eaten chicken from three days ago and the TV. So you go down to the bar, you talk to the boys, you do anything, distract yourself, and then hopefully meet a girl right away, right? Because then you don't have to feel all those feelings. Yeah, that's a great idea, genius. To underscore your point, Sven, Sherry comments now, I called him out on his shit and he won't talk to me now. Well, there you go. Of course he won't talk to you now. Right, he, he, if he didn't want to touch it coming out of that relationship, he doesn't want to touch it now. And so let me tell you what happens to that young man, all right? What happens, and I have no idea how old the person is, maybe he's older than me, uh, but what happens next is in all likelihood, I mean, I'm, and I'm sorry to say it, if Vegas were giving me odds, I'd put down some good money on the fact that you're gonna end up leaving him. And I hate to say it, but you wanna know why? Because you wouldn't even be on this show asking questions of me unless you were emotionally in tune and unless you were somewhat receptive to the message that I preach. And what's one of the messages I preach? That if someone's not there for you emotionally, why the fuck are you staying in the relationship? What, what is that? What, that? That's not even a relationship. That's just like, I, I don't know, a transaction. I, and it gets old really fucking quickly. So if you are emotionally in tune, and in this case, you're basically being blamed for something someone else did. You're being distrusted based on somebody else's actions. That shit gets sold. So what's going to happen is in all likelihood, and maybe not, maybe he'll change, but you're going to grow frustrated with his actions, ultimately frustrated with his inactions. You're going to walk away and he's going to feel the pain of yet another one. You know what he just did? You see what he just did? I'm going to tell it to you. And I, I explained this in uh, one of my past books. Basically, when you've been hurt in the past, let's say Susie has been hurt in the past. Yeah, I put up a TikTok, a video on this, go and look. And basically what happens is if you've got past pain, past pain creates future fear. So you got past pain. Those become walls, precisely as this man is doing. All right, Sherry? And he puts up walls. And I put up walls because I don't want to get hurt again. Or people put up walls because I've been so taught that I'm a piece of shit that I'm not going to let you in. And I believe I'm no good or I'm not good enough or you wouldn't like me if you really knew me. 
and then you'd leave me. So we put up walls to keep ourselves from getting left, to keep ourselves from getting hurt. And then some nice person comes along. Let's say if I'm Susie, let's say Paul comes along and Paul's like, come on, let me in. I want to get to know you. Or in this case, Sherry is in a relationship with this guy and this guy has walls up. I got so hurt in the past. I'm not going into a marriage. I'm afraid. I am afraid is what he is saying by those walls. I'm not going to trust again. And Sherry's knocking on those fucking walls. Let me in. Let me in. I want to connect because emotional connection is the glue of a relationship. It's not sex. It's emotional connection. All right. Yeah. A couple more things from Sherry. First of all, she is approximately your age uh-huh. and she says, I got your book and I gave it to him. Yeah. And lead a horse to water, but we'll see if he drinks. But the bottom line is this. So you got the walls up. Susie has the walls up. Paul's knocking. Or this man has the walls up and Sherry's knocking. Let me in. Let me in. Let me in. And eventually Paul, or in this case, Sherry gets tired of knocking. And you want to know what they do? They walk away. So the person behind the walls just created the very eventuality that they were protecting themselves from. I, because you put up the walls because I'm afraid if I let you in, you're gonna leave me and hurt me. So I put up the walls to protect me. But if you got somebody knocking on those walls, eventually they're gonna get tired of knocking and they're gonna walk away. Self-fulfilling prophecy that you just created by trying to not create it. So congratulations on that one. Yeah, you're gonna end up leaving him and he's gonna be broken. And he's gonna, then that will be confirmation bias. See, women are bitches or God, relationships suck. You can't trust anyone in the world. No, you just chose not to heal from your past relationship. So again, people take time between relationships and turn and face that tidal wave you've been running from. Turn and face the fucking pain and heal so that somebody else doesn't have to eat shit in your next relationship for what was done to you in the past. And so you don't have to eat shit when this person in the new relationship leaves you because you didn't heal yourself. It's that simple. It's not easy, but it is simple. Furthermore, it doesn't have to take forever. The deeper you go into it, the quicker you can heal. I'm gonna take one more question. Can you rekindle an old relationship? Uh, Unilaterally? Uh, you can try. In other words, can you do it all by yourself? No, I mean, it's two people have to build a bridge across the river. If they're not building from this side, you know. Uh, But if you're trying to rekindle an old relationship, if you have to try to make it happen, you're, to me, you're forcing it. You know, if you want to reach out to someone, you know, that you had a relationship a long time ago or whatever, go ahead, go for it. But the question again is, have you healed? Have they healed? Not just from your own shit that you had together back then, but from all this stuff in the interim. But I, I'm a believer in the organic nature of relationships in life. And either it happens organically uh, or you're forcing it. And if you're forcing it, it's not inspired action. It's, it's, it's forced. You're trying to control something and make something happen. And my question, anytime anybody's engaged in forced action or controlling behaviors, I'm always asking the question, what's the fear driving the action? What's the fear? And so you long for someone, you know, from your past, presumably, I reach out, say hello and see if it goes somewhere. And if it doesn't, let it go, move on. All right, people. Uh, Casey is giving us the nod. Rob, thank you so much for masterminding this entire endeavor. And uh, to all of our friends in New South Wales, all of our friends in Pittsburgh and Chicago and way down in South Africa, thanks for tuning into the Badass Counseling Show. Have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. 
Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.